This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Morena no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch-up on Manawatu People's Radio. Te reo irarangi onatangata o Manawatu. It's the last catch-up interview of 2021. Yes, uh, NPR is going to be on their uh, Christmas break for the rest of this year and the beginning of next. We'll be back, hopefully, on the 10th of January, Monday the 10th. Uh, whether we can uh, rally anyone into an interview in that uh, time or not, we'll, that, that remains to be seen. Uh, however, this morning, back to this morning with the last interview of the year. Of course, we're looking at central government on a Friday and we have MP for Palmerston North, Tangi Utikeri. Good morning to you. Morning, uh, Fraser. Good to see you. I've just noticed your shirt. Yes. You are in the Christmas spirit, my now, friend. It is the last week of business uh, for the year and I roll out a different Christmas shirt every day. And I wore a tie for you today too. Oh, thank you very much. Sure. Which um, is, uh, I, I guess, a little peek behind the curtain. Both of us are not enjoying this morning. I uh, inadvertently slept in and you had a bit of a trial yesterday getting home. I did. I was uh, planning to, to, I was down in Parliament yesterday and the plan was to be back here by about 2 o'clock or 2.30 but I got stuck um, just north of Plymouthton in the slip mm-hmm. for about just over an hour and then the police said, sorry, road closed so I turned back, went back to Wellington and going about. 10.30 last night. So did you fly? No, I, I, I waited for the slip to clear. Oh, I went back Lord. to Parliament. Um, I went back, yeah, down there, did a little bit of work and then um, had a look online, saw that it was semi-cleared yeah. and thought, well, yeah, take my chances and it was actually a very smooth ride back. So so did you get back in time for the protests or were you trying to escape the protests? I was actually there on precinct yesterday yep. morning um, and the protest was underway when I was leaving Wellington. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep, we, we have a bit of a tradition where uh, the Labour Party effectively put on a bit of a, a barbecue or some mince pies and things like that for um, the press. They have their press gallery, the function the evening before. And so um, the class of 2020 were responsible for that mm-hmm. this this year. So, yeah, it meant I was back on press and was able to tidy up a few things. And then um, I left the precinct whilst the protest was underway. And uh, were they making salient points? I didn't actually hear them, and I, um, because I went straight to my car and out through the back, I didn't really see much of them. So I've only seen what was on the uh, news. Uh, last night, yes. which I was able to watch in Wellington because I was still there. <laughs> uh, well, we'll not dwell on that because you know they, they, they are they are poorly misinformed mm, uh, as protesters. Um, but it's been a bit of a week for it because, as related to local matters, Helen Warboys is uh, the mayor of Manawatu, of course, and she is chairing a concerted effort by concerned councils with regards to Three Waters reform. And they came down on Wednesday to um, make it clear what they thought about. Three Waters reform. Uh, it looks like the councils are banding together. They're going to get some expert advice brought in for alternative models. Is this going to slow things down? Well, I think what we heard this week is uh, the Minister for Local Government, Nanaima Huta, indicate that she was very happy to meet with you know mayors that did travel down to Wellington uh, during the course of the week. Um, the government have announced um, the next steps, and obviously, you know, part of that a few weeks ago was the formation of this advisory group, which was from the 
sector uh, within local government. So I think over the Christmas break, obviously people will be taking a bit of a rest, but also those in the sector will be looking at the three waters. Um, I'm still fundamentally in support of that reform package and process, um, but it's an opportunity for some dialogue and discussion. Um, you know, the government's very open to, to listen and to, to have the conversation, and so Nanaya making those comments this week certainly indicated that. Um, sticking with uh, local matters, a couple more uh, things related to Palmerston North and Manawatu. Firstly, and we spoke to Ian McKelvey about this last week uh, a bit because I think he was – is he chairing? No, never mind. Um, the Reserve Bill Act thing that I can't remember the name, but basically uh, the old Huia Street Reserve has uh, was tied to being a reserve because of central government legislation. The, the, the land was used for a specific purpose. So uh, to get that changed, it had to go to, to Parliament and had to have a champion. It did, and it's a piece of um, law that goes back to nearly 100 years. I was 1922, um, and it's a Palmerston North Empowering Reserves or Reserves Empowering Amendment Act or bill that's going through the House. And it's really the duty of the local Member of Parliament to introduce it to the House. And so this particular bill will be familiar with, well, this particular piece of land will be familiar um, to many listeners because uh, Steve Mahari back in 2007 when he was the local MP here, he progressed it through the House, it went to select committee and the bill was effectively discharged or withdrawn because the level of support and process right. issues um, were not clear. Mm-hmm. So I've been really keen to ensure that the council has presented me with you know information to make sure that the process has been followed. I was comfortable that it was. The clerk of, of the House of Representatives certified that it had been and I introduced it. Now, Mr McKelvey uh, chairs the Governance and Administration That's Select right, Committee, yes. which I've um, referred this bill to. So it had its first reading. Um, I thought it was going to have its first reading a few weeks back, but then we were in urgency mm. or an extended sitting, and so I didn't think it was going to happen until next year. But it has passed the first hurdle, which is its first reading, um, and with the unanimous support of the Parliament, whereas last time there were concerns expressed by the Greens, by Te Pāti Māori, um, and a little bit also from Simon Power, who's the MP at the time for Rangitake. Mm-hmm. But no, that'll go off to select committee and um, city council, no doubt, will be part of that process. And so will uh, local folk here. It's not a, a surprise, given that we have a housing crisis, that there would be uh, unanimous support. It surprises me that it still you say the law is you know over 100 years old. Perhaps it's time to revisit that. And I don't want to be glib, but not waste Parliament's time with a hyper-local issue that could, with a bit of tweaking, I'm sure, be handled in a very accountable way at local government level. Yeah, I've had a conversation with a couple of people around that because um, I certainly had another uh, MP from across the House come and have a quick chat with me to say that he's got a similar issue in his electorate up north. Mm. Um, The reality is that some of these pieces of law are quite old. They are very specific and the question I think is, is a good one in that perhaps Parliament's time could be used a little bit more differently mm-hmm. uh, because basically that took up an hour, just over an hour of, of the House's time. It meant that it's local bills are actually set down for reading the same time that members' bills are, so they're the ones that get drawn out of the biscuit tin. So some people might say, and they actually bump, so local bills bump members' bills, so they go top priority. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, an issue I think that could warrant another look. Um, eight million dollars for Palmerston North City Hospital. We're very keen to 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 showcase this. Uh, you know me; uh, I, I'm a pessimist. Um, eight Never. million dollars sounds like a lot of money. 
Um, but when you see the price tags on some of the equipment in a hospital, when you see what work Palmerston North City Hospital needs just to maintain its operation, I mean, the ED is tiny, the mental health ward is, yes, it's being funded and, and mm. fixed, but still, it's, it's dreadful at the moment. Uh, there's a lot going on at Palmerston North City Hospital. Uh, $8 million doesn't seem a lot in that context. Well, firstly, what I would say is that some of those issues that you've touched on, such as the new mental health um, facility, that's a separate bit of funding there. And, and I've been asking the DHB questions around making sure that you know that is still mm-hmm. on track. Um, so it's good that we're having that investment here. Yes. Um, the $8 million sounds like a lot to some, but to many in the bigger scheme of things, like you say, it could be seen as um, you know a much smaller amount. What I prefer to focus on is what that $8 million will actually deliver. And what it will deliver is um, alterations so that Ward 26, which is a general medicine ward at the moment, will be refitted out to become a 32-bed pandemic ward. Right. Um, it also provides opportunities for uh, negative pressure rooms and alongside some airflow capacity sort of issues. So they are fundamental things in terms of dealing with a pandemic just to make things a bit better. And it's it, while it's $8 million, the first of those projects, which is that 32-bed uh, pandemic ward, mm. will be completed by March of next year. So we're not talking about a huge delay given that Christmas is coming up. Um, this $8 million is spread over three projects. All three will be delivered by September of next year. So is it pandemic related? This is a pre- preparedness for a pandemic? A lot of it is related to just bringing hospitals up to spec. And what I would say is that it's part of the COVID funding mm-hmm. that the government had set aside. And Palmerston North is one of a number of hospitals throughout New Zealand. Um, I have to say that I was... I was um, chuckling a little bit at some of the media coverage which indicated that the $8 million was to be spread across three hospitals in Palmerston North. Now we do not have three public hospitals. No. It is across three projects within the Palmerston North right. Hospital. Although in the past uh, Palmerston North Hospital has passed on some work yes, to private hospitals. Yes, to and yep. others. Yep. Yeah, and there is still... Um, and that, that might that's, happen that, with this that money still as well. ha- That still happens from time to time. No, that will not happen with this money because it is targeted to projects within the Palmerston North Hospital. Mm. They're not projects within Crest. So it's physical facilities right. uh, in terms of upgrading those. So uh, the the mental health ward is being funded. We're getting pandemic preparedness. That's being funded. The, but still, the emergency department's too small. We, we spoke to Matt Dallas from Stuff on Wednesday. Another two midwives have, have left, gone away. Too, it's just too hard now. Midwife shortage is getting real now. What can we expect now that the government Government's announced that we're going to have this huge surplus next year. What can we expect with health funding to to address these issues? Well, because actually funding isn't necessarily uh, the solution. I mean, where would you put a bigger emergency department? You can't just mm. mag- magic midwives out of thin air. That's right. Same with personnel. So mm. there are a few things in that. The first is that, you know, okay, the $8 million is keeping things up to spec, but it also does include some um, refit out of the ED department along to the maternity um, unit and, and aspects as well. So it's across the entire hospital to make sure that you know some of those um, cubicles and the like are separated and and, yep. and that sort of stuff. What I would say is that this is the first decent piece of investment. I'm not just talking about the eight million. I'm talking about everything else that comes on top mm. of that within Palmerston North from the government in 20 years. In 20 years. Mm. Um, so that's fantastic. But 
I think if we're looking at personnel, for example, you know, in terms of the, the nursing shortage um, and being able to attract some medical professionals as well, that is a global issue. That is not something that is unique to Palmerston North or indeed unique to New Zealand. And so I'm hoping that this investment in terms of our new healthcare system that's going to come live on the 1st of July um, will form some part of that in terms of making sure that at the primary healthcare level, right through to those that require hospitalisation, that people can access services in an appropriate Way. Now, this is part of a $6 billion investment since mm. this government took office. So we're talking about huge investment. Yes, health continues to be a significant issue for many people, but part of the health reforms package is ensuring that a lot of that primary care support um, and targeting for Māori, for Pacific, for rural, for disability communities, and for the general community as well, will alleviate some of those concerns because people will be able to access treatment sooner and in a better way that meets their needs. It's uh, again the, the six billion uh, price ticket again sounds like a lot of money, but across the country isn't. Uh, I remember speaking to your predecessor, and the 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 line at the time was, you know, the, the issue is that the previous government did not invest in health, so you are having to invest more. The practical upshot of that is, I go six billion. That's that's not enough, is it? When you see the Middlemore making the headlines repeatedly for being unfit for purpose. Well, what I would say is that six billion up up to this point in terms of commitments, and obviously we've got the health reform package that's that's still coming as well. You know, we heard Andrew Little, and I did thank Andrew yesterday for the investment in Palmerston North, um, and he did indicate that one constituent had already reached out to him to thank him as well, mm-hmm. um, but. I, I guess it's interesting in that he says, you know, across the country we are one hospital at least short, uh, you know, the size of Middlemore. So clearly there is much work to be done and we're prepared to roll up our sleeves and get into it. And the reform, I mean, is the, the, the health system reform this huge sort of – I'll be glib. Throw the baby out of the bathwater. Start again. Get the the the, the new setup done with the the Maori Health, Health Authority, Authority as well. Um, is that going to be a speed bump in actually just addressing healthcare on the ground when you're dealing with the administrative makeup and the bureaucracy of it all? Well, I mean, there is a transitional unit that's been established to ensure that there is. I don't want to say business as usual, Mm. but that things are able to continue to function and and tick over. And so what I am hopeful for, and I know what the government is hopeful for, is that the transition into the new um, health authority and not just that, but the new focus in terms of the Ministry of Health having a public health focus and and direct policy advice um, in a scaled down way to government um, is smooth and is able to kick in on the 1st of July. I mean, it's very clear to all of us that there is an issue in health. And what we're committed to doing is changing that. The first major shake-up of New Zealand's healthcare system in, you know, certainly a generation. Mm. So, look, it's got to be done. And come the 1st of July, we're hopeful that when that flicks over, um, that, you know, people will be able to access things that currently they're not able to. We are here with Tang Yutikeri, a Member of Parliament for Palmerston North, on the catch-up this morning, the last one of 2021. If you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up, also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Uh, Tangy, the births, deaths, marriages and relationships legislation bill, uh, it, it's, it, well, it sounds dreary, but then these things often do, but this is a bit of a, a win. Uh, for the LGBTQI plus community, the rainbow community, uh, allowing 
uh, people to address their gender if it, if in if they feel it was misrepresented at the time of birth. That's right, and this has been a bill that has been going through the parliament for quite some time. I think it's about four years. And so Jan Tanetti, who's the responsible minister, has progressed this, had um, sent something back to the select committee. Again, Ian McAlvey's select committee. Um, and it, it came back to the House uh, and had its final reading, which does – actually, it, it requires quite a few things. It's not just about gender and self-identification opportunities, and I would point out that it was passed by the parliament unanimously. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a fantastic start as well. But it also had a number of other aspects to it, largely administrative, around um, you know funeral stuff in terms of death certificates and, and yep. how people might administratively go about things. But the major issue from my perspective is the ability for people to be able to effectively identify as they wish uh, on a birth certificate. Yep. Um, and you know there are mechanisms that allow for that. So it's not just filling in a form. It is a statutory decoration which comes with some legal heft and weight alongside it. Um, And the Minister is working through a process to set in place regulations that will allow people to do that. Mm. Uh, I noticed in the headlines uh, using myself as an example I wouldn't be able to do this though because I am not from New Zealand. Ah, yes. Thank you for the clarity. (laughs) Um, So there is one little issue and that is those that are born overseas and have their birth registered overseas. New Zealand obviously doesn't have a capacity to amend uh, international Mm. records. And so the minister has indicated um, that she has asked officials or will be asking officials to explore how we might be able to do that. Because I mean, it does dilute the win a little bit when you look at New Zealand as a, a true multicultural community. And the vast majority, a vast minority of the population will not be able to do this. What I would say, though, is that, you know, this is a law that allows New Zealand to amend its own birth records. Yes. That is something that we absolutely have self-autonomy over. And so, you know, there is a willingness and a desire to move into a different space now, which is how we can afford individuals who are in New Zealand who were born overseas the same right to do something similar. I don't know what that looks like because clearly there are international um, obligations, issues that, that are at play here, but the minister has given an absolute commitment that she is keen to explore ways that will allow those who are born overseas to do exactly the same. Well, is, is, it, is it going to be difficult or can we see a way through this? I mean, can could I take my... I, I do not wish to change my gender. I just make that clear, but I'm just using myself as an example. Um, could I take my birth certificate to the courthouse and they could go, right, we've cited it, it's official, we will give you a New Zealand equivalent that you can use for identification purposes in New Zealand and, oh, you can change your your gender and details on that as well. That that may be an option, but I think what the Minister has indicated is that officials need to go away and explore what those options might look like. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the other side of things is that you don't want this to be an administrative burden. Um, And, well, listeners may not know that the, the process previously was a medical one, that you would have to go and get medical certification on often more than one occasion, and then it would be up to a family court judge to determine whether or not it was justifiable that someone could change um, their their gender on their birth certificate. So this is moving away from that. I, I would hate to see an international um, approach or, or an approach that allowed for those who are registered 
uh, overseas in terms of their birth to have to go through a similar administrative burden. That's That defeats the whole purpose of the change that has been made. Mm, fair enough. Uh, we should probably... But agree, oh. it is a massive win for our rainbow communities. Yes. And, you know, this all started from uh, one... A person who presented a petition, uh, spoke to the Select Committee back in 2007 and identified that this was an issue. It was not originally part of the plan mm-hmm. and so credit to that person um, for an effectively initiating this change. In 2007, I mean the, the machine moves slowly, doesn't it? It can move very slowly and you know, this was something that was put on hold by the previous government. Um, I think it's pretty clear that there were um, you know, coalition conversations at the time and, and Tracy Martin, who was a New Zealand First member was the responsible minister, um, but Jane Tanetti has managed to pull this together and, and get it over the line, and I certainly congratulate her on that. Uh, Honourable mention to Hemi Pinfold Fanga. He is your youth MP. I say your youth MP, the, the youth MP that you picked to go and uh, learn a bit about democracy. Absolutely. Hemi will be fantastic. I was really fortunate to have a real strong uh, calibre of people that wanted to be the Palms North Youth MP. We went through a process of shortlisting and I uh, reviewed all their videos and letters and, and all those sorts of things. And then we had an interview process and he emerged as a stunning candidate. So Hemi is in year 12. Well, he's finished year 12 now at Palms North Boys High. Um, and he has had some success in Manu Korero, and I know that he's really passionate about Palmas North and local Māori communities, and he's going to do a fantastic job as the local youth MP for Palmas North. When uh, Ian McKelvey was uh, sort of canvassing for applications, we interviewed him, and he tends to keep that youth MP under his wing for the vast majority of the year, inviting them to events and, and encouraging them to grow. Will you be doing the same, or is it a finite thing for you know a week or two? down in Parliament? No, it's it's a six-month uh, formal commitment that kicks off next year, but um, Hemi and I have already met up for a coffee and had a chat, and I've said to him, look, have a little think about what it is that you know you are passionate about. I know he's already told me that he's passionate about Māori development, um, health for our community as well, um, but there'll be other things that he's passionate about, and I'm happy to support him in any way that I can. Um, as you know, Fraser, I'm having a uh, community stakeholder uh, morning tea next week, and so he'll be coming along to that, even though that's outside of the six months. Um, I like to think that, you know, being able to support uh, young people, rangatahi, is really important for people that have roles of responsibility. I know when I was the Deputy Mayor, the Mayor and I, and he obviously continues, were part of the Tuia programme, which is having a, a Māori young person, rangatahi, with us for 12 months. Um, and so that's something that I'm keen to support him in whatever way he wishes. Uh, local government elections next year. Yeah. Will we be able to assess the pecuniary interests uh, of of our candidates and our uh, incumbents uh, at the elections? This is obviously referencing your uh, your bill that was pulled out of the biscuit tin. Probably not. Um, The reason I say that is because it's still with Ian's select committee um, and I I do join that committee from time to time. I gave the first submission um, and, you know, the the public submissions have closed and some really good issues are coming through around, well, what about local boards? What about community boards? How does this work in Auckland? And so while it's a local issue here, it actually applies right across the country. Um, The Privacy Commissioner has, you know, made a submission. Um, Parliament's Pecuniary Registrar has made a submission and spoken to that. So I'm really keen to explore a number of these issues that have been raised but it has to go back to the House on a Members Day and Mm -hmm. that will be bumped if there are local bills that take priority there Um, but the bill actually as as I've currently drafted it has a six month 
um, lead-in period. So chances are even if it does clear its final hurdle sometime next year, it won't be in time for next year's elections. But we will when, – when it comes into effect, the, the, the current sitting councils will have to declare their interest even midterm. That's correct. Right. Yep. So good. not in advance to inform people's choice around elections. Um, but, you know, people can get out on the hustings and, and challenge candidates. I'm always a, a keen supporter of, of that to put the tough questions to them. Um, but, yeah, if the bill does pass its third here at third reading and becomes law, then it'll kick in three, uh, six months later. So, yes, it might capture in sometime next year. Marvellous. Um, we've got uh, four minutes to go. Remember this time last year, Tangy? 2020, everyone going, right, we've had a bad time of it. 2021 will be much better. Everything's going to be fantastic. Um, To to be a a little uh, rude, WTF, I think, is the term that the young ones use. Uh, 2021, (laughs) yeah, 2021 has turned into a nightmare. What's, What's 2022 going to be bringing us? Look, I think 2021 has been a tough year. For everyone, That's particularly an those in Tamaki Makoto in Auckland, who've who've done it really hard, but you know people in this community have done it tough as well, and so I, along with others, um, I'm sure are looking forward to the the Christmas break and taking some time out. But I'm hopeful. Are we though? I mean, Omicron. Well, I am. You know, I I'm looking forward to having a break. I mean, you know, and a lot of people are. Uh, people are tired. People have been doing it tough. Yeah, but we can't year. do what we were going – I know the government is saying we can do what we want to do, but, you know, self-preservation kicks in. You go, am I going to go to a big New Year's Eve celebration? Eh, probably not. This Omicron thing's kicking off. And we hear on RNZ this morning um, people are saying Omicron – even the double vaccinated, could you could have a super spreader event in a double vaccinated uh, venue because of this new variant. I mean, it's, it's just it, – it's the gift that keeps on giving. Well, you're right. I mean, Omicron has landed um, here and, and you know, you would have heard uh, the Prime Minister this morning talking about that. That was not unexpected. Um, we did expect that. It was just a matter of time, I guess. Um, but in terms of 2022, you know, we've, we've got our vaccination passes up and running. We've got businesses. We've got organisations. We've got events that are able to take place. Um, clearly, people in the context will, will continue to think things through. The government will continue to provide some advice, some guidance and some direction um, in that space. We have our traffic light system, the COVID protection framework. Um, I'm hopeful that 2022 will be a better year than 2021, uh, but we've got to understand that it is a different context, it is a different year, it is a different environment. But in the lead up to it, I'm looking forward to a break. I know that many others who I talk to are also looking forward to a break, looking forward to spending time with whānau and friends, um, and yes, certainly reflecting on, on 2021, but also looking forward to the challenges. Um, and I say that loosely uh, in, in terms of 2022. Uh, is there, very, very quickly, is there a key body of work that you want to get done next year? Is there something that's uh, sort of front and forward that you need to address? Well, I mean, you know, it is it is the middle year in terms of the election cycle. I'll be working hard on my members' bill as well. I'll be focusing on the environment because mm-hmm. we've done a lot of work in the housing space around that. I know that's very close to your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in terms of health, obviously that's a priority um, for me in, in my parliamentary time. So, um, look, I'll be reflecting over the summer break and um, if anything I'm determined to continue representing this community 
And so the team and I had a strategic planning meeting a few weeks back. And so a lot of it will be continuing to be accessible here locally, you know, ramping up my palmy pop-ups, continuing to have coffee and politics, continuing to speak with you mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Oh, that's good to have available. that confirmed. Yeah, well, as long as you're prepared to invite me. Remember I was weekly. Yes, yes, yes. But so many people wanted to be part well, of this. Well, there tangy. you go. I was one of the, you It's know, democracy in, in, in action. Tangi Utakere, Memo Parimata o Papaioya. Thank you for joining us on the catch-up today and this year. Merry uh, Kerehimite and uh, Happy New Year. And hopefully we can share your optimism for 2022. Thank you, Fraser. Look, a very Merry Christmas to you and the team here at NPR and to listeners. It's been fasc- fant- fascinating and fantas- fantastic. <laughs> I haven't even had a champagne breakfast this morning. Um, being part <laughs> of you, uh, it's just early. Um, and, and the team. So everyone go well and have a safe, wonderful Christmas. Marvellous. There we go. The last catch-up for 2021. Join us on the 10th of January. Hopefully we'll have one there for 2022. Uh, in the meantime, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, festive greetings, all of that. See you next year. Bye-bye. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.